city of champions once again. The Cavaliers are NBA champions. Welcome to Seacoast. My name is Josh Walters, one of the pastors here at the church. So glad that you're here to worship with us this weekend. I want to welcome you if you're joining us online or in one of the venues at an offsite campus, wherever you might be excited that you are here as well. It's a special one at Seacoast in that it's Veterans Day weekend here at the church where, yeah, that's worth some applause right there, where we take some time to uh, honor those. You know, John 15, 13 says, greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for his friends. And for each of those that have served or have served in any capacity, that's the call that they take on each day. You know, the opportunity that we have together here in Mount Pleasant and across all of our campuses and worship freely. Let freedom was purchased at a price. Many have given their lives to fight for our freedom. So what I would love to do today as we get started, if you have served or are serving currently in any capacity, would you take a minute to stand and remain standing for me to uh, give them some love, and I wanna pray over each of these folks. Let them know you mean it. Woo! All right. Hey, if you're near one of these folks, just reach a hand out. Reach a hand out towards them. I wanna take just a minute and let's pray. Pray over them. God, I thank you so much for each of these men and women. We do honor, we do celebrate them today, and we're so thankful for their faithful service. God, we don't take it lightly because we thank you for the freedom, for the gift that it is to be able to join as a family and worship you today. So I pray that in a way that only you could, God, that you would bless them, that you would refresh them, that they would sense your delight and favor today. Pray that you would be present with us as we get in your word. God, may you accomplish all that you desire. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, give them one more hand. That's awesome. Well, hey, it is, uh, it's been coined the year of development here at Seacoast. Pastor Josh has been real intentional about training and developing our staff with hopes that we would be able to better train and equip our leaders to ultimately care for and serve those in our church and community. So we've had a handful of leaders come in to train and pour into our staff. We partnered with a company called Best Christian Workplaces. Lisa Surratt had a vision for Seacoast to be the best place to work. And so we've been doing surveys with our staff, getting feedback, working on our church culture world. The next step in that process was for us to experiment with some 360 assessments. Have any of you ever done one of those, a 360? Okay, so we started it with a portion of our executive team and we were gonna get feedback from our boss, from those who report to us, from our peers, and then we got to pick a handful of people, eight people throughout the organization. And so I was excited about it. I was thinking, man, this is gonna be great. I'm gonna get some focused feedback on me, be able to come up with a plan to help me grow. And so I kind of picked eight people that, not all, but a handful of them that I had just a little bit of a like relational rub with. I didn't have beef with that I could point to per se, but when I was around them, I just felt like something, something's there. Does, you, do you, does anybody have any relationship like that, or am I the only one? Y'all are looking at me like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. And so I thought like, man, I'm gonna pick those people because they're gonna be able to give me some good stuff and come up with a plan. This is gonna be great. So the day finally came where I sat down with our HR director, and I had prayed up 
into it, man. I was thinking like, man, I'm a big boy. I'm ready for this. Give me the good stuff so I can grow. And he started into the assessment and I realized pretty quickly that I'm not a big boy and that (laughs) I can't handle this kind of feedback, you know? And so I got good stuff, good feedback and reviews from my boss, good stuff from those who report to me. But among my peers, it was like, man, there's, there was like 30 competencies on this thing, and they said that I needed significant improvement in like 28 of them. <laughs> so, so over the course of the, the meeting with this guy talking through it, like it started sounding like wah, 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 because all I could think was like, what is wrong with me? Like, what am I doing with my life, right? And what is wrong with these people that they would say that? That's just awful. And so I'm like, spiraling into this like dark place. Well, Katie and I had date night that night and I was trying to like process it, take it in, sift through it. What do I do with this? And so usually I try to make date night about us, right? It's going out, let's have some fun together. But this night it was all I could think about. So I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna put this 360 assessment on the dash in case while we're driving there's a lull in the conversation. (laughs) Or if Katie would happen to say like, hey, what's wrong? You look like you've been crying, you know? I was like, here's why, you know? And so so we go out and we we talk about it. And that night I actually straight up got some ministry from the Lord. I'm like praying through like, what do I do with this? I wanna come up with a plan and really grow. And, And he used his words to Paul that his grace is sufficient for me. His power is made perfect in weakness, right? And I had just learned I had a lot of weaknesses and he kinda helped me flip the script to see, really? All this 360 means is that I've got more access to power than the rest of these clowns, right? <laughs> so I was like, God, I can rejoice in that. I'm gonna praise you in these weaknesses and we're gonna grow, right? So over the next couple of days, I like processed through it and I brought the results back to the executive group, kind of presented it to them and said, hey guys, will y'all read through this? And uh, I know that I'm not gonna grow in like 28 different categories all at the same time, but would you read through this? And what I was looking for was, is there one or two categories that would serve as a multiplier, right? That if I were to focus on these one or two, it would help me grow in a number of different areas. Well, for the last few weeks, two weeks anyway, we've been in a series called GOAT, which stands for the greatest of all time. And last week, Pastor Josh talked with us about what it looks like or would look like for us to redefine greatness in our lives, that ultimately it would be defined by us laying our lives down for the good of others. And today I wanna take some time to talk about what the Bible lays out as the greatest virtue. It actually presents to us this one thing that if we were to focus on, if we were to work on, would serve as fuel to bring about change in just about every area of our life. And it's found there in the top of your your outline in 1 Corinthians 13, 13. It says, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest, everybody say greatest. The greatest of these is love. The greatest is love. All right, now biblically there's primarily three different kinds of words that are used for love in the Bible, each of which are kind of laid out there. I wanna talk you through them, and when we finish this, we're gonna have a, a love assessment of sorts. I want you to leave today as a great lover. And so, I uh, thought that would be a joke, but. Nobody laughed. <laughs> anyway, not that kind, but we're gonna talk through these, then we're gonna have an assessment, so make sure you're paying attention to the definitions, okay? So first of which is phileo, which means affection, fondness, or liking. This love is called out of one's heart as a response to the pleasure one takes in a person or object. Affection, fondness, liking, taking pleasure in someone or something. The second is agape. That means faithful, committed, act of the will. 
This love keeps on loving even when the loved one is unresponsive, unkind, unlovable, or unworthy. It is an unconditional love. All right, and the last is eros. It means erotic, a love of passion. This love involves an emotional connection based on body chemistry, an overmastering passion that seizes and absorbs the mind. Okay, so here's what we're gonna do. Given those three definitions, I'm gonna throw out some objects or relationships, and I want you to talk back to me. That means words are gonna come out of your mouth. You're gonna talk at the pastor. It'll be fun. But I want you to tell me which kind of love you have for those objects, okay? All right, so the first of which is cheeseburgers. <laughs> Somebody said no love. I ain't got no love. I need to hear from a dude, all right? <laughs> well, all of them. Ooh, that's kind of gross. All right, not that. What kind of love do you have for a cheeseburger? Give me some. Phileo, right? A fondness or liking. I am totally with you. Last night after preaching this message, I had to go to Sesame to get me a barbecue bacon cheeseburger. I got a fried egg, avocado, barbecue sauce. I get a side of barbecue sauce, so I dip it in there after I take a bite of it. I have some serious phileo. It might bleed into other kinds of love for a cheeseburger. You know what I'm talking about. Many of you now are gonna go get that for lunch immediately following this service, all right? What about the South Carolina Gamecocks? That, that is actually not a love listed on your page, you're right, that's a mental, <laughs> mental condition called delusional, okay? That's <laughs> what that is. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm a Gamecock, I'm just saying. We did this to ourselves. All right, what about, what about your car? What kind of love would you have? I love my car, man. Or your job, I love my job. What kind of job would that be? Or what kind of love would that be? Phileo, right, okay. What about the New England Patriots? Again, not a love represented on this page. That's a sin issue called pride or arrogance. <laughs> something you can deal with in response time, right? <laughs> All right, here's one that's kind of tricky for you. What would you say about a spouse, your spouse? What kind of love is that? All of them? Agape? <laughs> that's right, that one is a little tricky, right? Agapaleiros, right? It's like, man, there is a fondness or liking. You want each other to know that, hey, I like you. I don't just love you, I like you, we're friends. Uh, I'm committed to you, even if you are undeserving or mean, any ladies, no, I'm just kidding, don't raise your hand, that'd be bad, right? But hopefully there's some eros involved in there too, you know what I'm talking about? Well, you know, we use this word love frequently talking about a bunch of different things, but in English it's just one word. In Greek and Hebrew it's several words. So we don't always know the kind of love we're talking about when we use the word love. Well, what's interesting is that the word eros, it's actually used zero times, not even mentioned in the New Testament, just the Old Testament. Phileo is used 24 times in the New Testament, but that word agape, the faithful, committed, act of the will kind of love is used 259 times in the New Testament. Nearly every anchor verse that you know that uses the word love in the Bible is referring to that kind of love, the faithful, committed act of the will. That is the virtue, the kind of love that's esteemed as the greatest. In fact, in John 3:16, there on your outline, it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God so agaped the world, the faithful, committed act of the will. It goes on in verse 19, to show the posture of our hearts when he sent his son. It says, the verdict is this. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds 
or evil. People agaped darkness. While we were faithfully committed to doing evil and the things of this world, that's the very moment that God sent his son. The Bible says while we were still sinners, he died for us. That faithful, committed act of the will. If that is the greatest virtue, man, the question for me then is why? If I'm gonna give myself to growing in this one area that it might fuel change and growth in every other area of my life, then I need to know why is it the greatest? So a couple thoughts for us today, the first of which is on your outline. Number one, because love resembles God. Love resembles God. Probably once a week, I'll be around town somewhere in Charleston, and I think in part because Charleston is a vacation destination and a lot of people will, will come through here at different times, people will come up to me to say, hey, you look like that guy. And I'm hoping they're talking about like Brad Pitt or something like that, you know? <laughs> but, but they're like, um, Blackhawk from the Avengers. And that guy's name is Jeremy Renner. Do y'all know who that is? I brought a couple pictures for you just to see if you can see it, you see? <laughs> You see that? If you don't see that, maybe this one will do it for you. Maybe this will help. Yeah, no, <laughs> still not seeing it. All right, what about this one? This is the last one. This, will, this might do it for you. Right? <laughs> so people, people will see me and think about him, right? Because we resemble each other. I like to say that he resembles me. He's just got a little more money as the, uh, the only deal there, but they, they see me and I, I resemble him. Well, the same is true of God and love. Look at 1 John 4, 16 on your outline. It says, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. We resemble Jesus. For God so loved the world that he sent his son and today he has sent you and I to resemble his love to the world, that we would show that faithful, committed act of the will. The phileo love, that fondness and liking, man, it comes and goes, right? But that agape love, that is the kind of love that marks you. Chances are, if you were to think back over your life, uh, you're, you probably don't have a lot of memories, memories of people who loved you when you were lovable, right? But in the times that you dropped the ball in a big way, where you made a bad decision, and the moments where other people were walking away from you and there was someone in your life that walked towards you to model that agape kind of love that resembles God, man, they redefined what love actually means for you. John 13, 35, there on your outline, says it this way. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if, everybody say if, if you love one another. That love that resembles God, that agape love is nearly always going to be a choice because it's not going to come natural to us. The world will know that we belong to God if we love one another. Over the last couple months, I've had the opportunity to see that choice lived out every day. My assistant, Lynn Stroy, who helps run everything here at the Mount Pleasant campus, was burdened by the foster care crisis here in our community, and she made the choice to go through training and certification to be a foster parent. She had to get home studies, sit through classes. Ultimately, she was licensed to be a foster parent upon which she got a call that there were two kids under two in need of a loving home. She made the choice to bring them in to her home. And every single day since then, I've watched her make the choice not to be a caregiver or a babysitter for an undefined period of time, but she's made the choice to model that agape love as their Mimi 
to give them the love of a mother. But it hasn't come easy, it hasn't come natural. There's been many moments and days that she's had to step into her bedroom, bathroom, or kitchen and pray, God, would you give me your heart for these kids? Give me the patience that I need, give me the love that I need, that this wouldn't just be a safe place for them, but it would be a place that marks them, that they would experience your love in it day after day after day. She's had to make the choice to model that kind of love that resembles God. The world will know you're my disciples if you love one another. You know, we honor our veterans on this day. We would all say that we love our country, but the reason when they stood here in Mount Pleasant and across all of our campuses, the reason that we clap and cheer is because they show their love for our country by being willing to put their lives on the line for it, to fight for our freedom. The world will know that you're my disciples if you show it, if you love one another, if you make the decision to model that agape love, the faithful, committed act of the will when you don't feel like it, when you don't want to. We make the choice. So number one, love resembles God. Number two there on your outline, love changes me. Love changes me. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says it this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. The old has passed away. The new has come. Our lives in some way are marked by change. When we encounter love, it changes us. Man, I think about Katie when she was... Uh, in college, she had a, a pretty tough run for, uh, for high school. Her best friend died in high school. Katie ended up dropping out of school. She was smoking like a pack a day of cigarettes. She doesn't smoke nearly as much anymore, which is a good, <laughs> I'm just kidding, she doesn't smoke at all. Some of y'all are like, oh my, no. She doesn't smoke, but, uh, but I remember she grew up very involved in church, knew all about God, but didn't have a relationship with him until her freshman year of high school, she went to an event at FCA and heard this guy present the good news for a message she had heard many, many times, but sensed God speaking to her. She responded to the message, came forward. That night she went back to her dorm like she had many other nights before, was having a cigarette out of the window, and she sensed God saying that this is an area of your life I want you to give up. And so she tells a story of flicking that cigarette out of the window, watching it fall to the ground, and it would be the last one she ever had. There were some things about her that just changed in a moment when she encountered love. But there were other areas of her life that were a lot more gradual. For example, when Katie and I first met, she wasn't crazy about me initially, right? She wasn't grateful for the incredible gift God had brought about in her life, right? And it took some time for her to receive that goodness, right? That change was much more gradual. That's silly, but any, any example you can think of, having encountered the God of love, man, there's things about you that change very quickly, and there's other things that just take time, right? And faithfulness and obedience and you walking out for him to bring about change in your life. One of the best examples of this I can think of in scripture is a guy named Peter. Um, from the first time he met Jesus, his life would be defined by change that he authored and brought about in his life. It's there on the back of your outline. One day, uh, Peter is out at work. He's fishing, has an encounter with Jesus, and this is what it looks like. Now, as Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately, they left their nets, and they followed him. Now, think about this. He's at work one day with all of his equipment, nets, poles, whatever other fishing gear he has, where he would catch fish that would provide food for him and his family, 
where he would be able to sell fish, where he'd be able to earn an income and a living for his family, Jesus said, leave your stuff and follow me. Some translations say at once. So I see him actively at work, having this encounter with Jesus, stepping out of the boat and leaving all of that behind him. In a moment, his profession changed, his focus changed. Jesus said, I will make you fishers of men. I'm gonna use all those same skills that you just applied to catching fish and we're gonna use them to reach and catch people. His vocation changed, his focus would change. And after having walked with Jesus for a while, Peter realized that Jesus wasn't just a good teacher, he was the good teacher. In fact, one day he was sitting down with the disciples and he asked them, hey, who do people say, who do you say that I am? And here's what that conversation looked like in Matthew 16, he says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. So man, Peter makes this profession of faith. Jesus says, hey, this wasn't revealed to you by flesh and blood, by a friend, a peer, one of the other disciples, but by my Father in heaven, for you shall be called Peter, rock, and on this rock I will build my church. On that profession of faith will I reach people and build my church. He changed homeboy's name, right? It's like his job, his focus, his name. Peter's whole life was marked by change. But man, culturally, personally, all too often we are resistant to change. You know, the Bible says that the fruit of the Spirit, evidence of the Spirit in our life is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Well, another way that we could say that of the fruit of the Spirit would be the fruit of love, right? If God is love, if love is at work in our life, then we should see all of those things at work. Man, I don't know about you, but like, man, patience, for example. That's probably the, the greatest area of change that is needed in my life. Used to be that I would go to bed and look back over my day, think back over my day as I'm praying, falling asleep, and it's almost like God would point a spotlight on conversations I had at work or moments at a restaurant or coffee shop or conversations with my kids, opportunities that I responded poorly or could have said or done more. But now with patience, it's like I don't need to get to the end of the day. God shows me in the moment, it's like, well, you dropped the ball there. Then I'm frustrated about the situation. Then I'm frustrated with me about being impatient, right? It's just a mess. I need to actively grow in patience. Yesterday, right before the, uh, the service, at 2.30, we had family pictures. <laughs> I'm just telling you, six kids, one of which is a baby, you're trying to manufacture smiles, then you're trying to not manufacture manufactured smiles. It's like, hey, look free and be happy. Just look at each other and turn around. Everybody's like, what are we doing right now, you know? Then we had two dogs. It's like, we can't control the kids. How are we gonna control the dogs in the family pictures? I was like the greatest test of patience. I'm driving in to preach on this, repenting of my sin. Like, God, I know we need to bring about change in my life in this area, right? Love changes me. Number three there on your outline, so why is love the greatest? Number one, because love resembles God. Number two, love changes me. Number three, love gives me a mission. Love gives me a mission. 
You know, as I think about Peter, he was the guy that modeled this phileo love better than anybody that we read about, this fond, affectionate, he was passionate, kind of impulsive with his love. When Jesus said, one of you will betray me, Peter's the guy that was like, it is not me. I will never do that, right? Passionate, he's the guy when the guard came, Peter chopped one of the guard's ears off. Well, here in John 21, we find Peter in a place that he never would have thought he would be. Shortly after Jesus was arrested, Peter's kind of trailing with the crowd, seeing what's gonna happen with Jesus, and he begins to be recognized by some people. And they say, hey, you're one of his disciples. You, you follow him, and three different times, Peter denied Jesus. Surely at this point, he's feeling shame and guilt. I mean, he had left all of his stuff to follow this guy whom he'd said he would never deny. Now he has three times. So Peter returns to doing what he had always done. He's a fisherman, he goes out fishing, well, it's at that point that Jesus appears to them on the shore. He calls him in and they share a meal together and this is what their conversation looked like. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus had asked him a third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Several things going on in this conversation that I don't think we would ordinarily see. The first of which is that this is the first time in Jesus appearing to Peter that he refers to him by his birth name, Simon, son of John. He concludes this passage by ultimately saying that, Peter, you're gonna die because of your conviction. You're gonna die because of your faith in me. So it's almost as if Jesus is saying to him, Peter, I know who you were, I know who you are, and I know who you're going to be. I see and know full well how you dropped the ball, and I'm not here to say, why did you do that? How could you do that? Hey, you actually said you would never do that. My question for you is, do you love me? Do you love me? He brings him back to the one thing that matters most. The other thing that's happening here is this dance with the word love. Jesus asks him, Peter, do you agape me? Faithful, committed act of the will. And Peter's response is, Jesus, you know I phileo you this fond affection. He says, well, if you love me, feed my sheep. Your love for me is always going to be seen by others. It's gonna be shown, you're gonna live it out. If you love me, you are going to love people. He asks him again, Peter, do you agape me? Peter says, Jesus, you know that I phileo you, then take care of my lambs, right? The love that I'm pursuing in you is a faithful, committed act of the will. That's the one that's gonna be experienced by those who don't know my love, who don't have it, who, who haven't experienced it. Matthew 22 there on your outline says it this way. Hearing that Jesus silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together, one of them an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two 
commandments. That word like there literally means resembles. What does it look like for us to love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind? It looks like us loving our neighbor as ourself. Love gives us a mission. As I encounter the God who is love, as I begin to experience the love of God, as he's changing me, he sends me on mission to be like Jesus to the world. You know, that word mission just is not one that we use regularly. But for each of those that we honored at the beginning of service, every time an individual or group in the military is, is given a mission, man, it is a specific job for a specific place. Well, the Bible gives us that same assignment as believers, that we are to be in this world, but not of this world. We live here, and God has sent us to be like Jesus on the greatest rescue mission of all time. For God so agaped the world that he sent his son. And today, you could put your name in that blank. God so loves this world that he sent Ken and Brian and Julie and Debbie. He sent each of us to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to love a world that's desperately in need of him. As we left service today, if I were to have a, a pack of paper for you to take home that essentially served as a 360 assessment, right? For you to hand out to your friends and family and loved ones, neighbors, coworkers. You could pick eight people at random that kinda know you. And it was a, a, a 360 assessment on love. How are you doing with the mission? Would you be happy with the results that came back? Are there areas in your life that maybe God's wanting to bring about change? Some people that you need to love that maybe if you're honest, like it's more a phileo kind of love. Like the fondness and affection has worn off and if you're honest, you're not even showing any love right now. But God has called you to show a faithful, committed act of the will. Maybe there's some, some people, maybe for some of you, as you leave today at every campus, it's Make a Different Weekend, Make a Difference Weekend, where we're spotlighting areas, opportunities that you can be on mission, that you can actively show the love of Jesus in our communities. Foster care, car care, ministries, clothes closets, food pantries, Dream Center, for those of you here in the Low Country, every campus has some local opportunities. For some of you, it's gonna look like being part of the mission, actively making a difference in our community. Either way, why, why is love the greatest? One, because it resembles God. It resembles God. It shows the world what this love of God, this incredible love, the reason the good news is good news. Man, it, it resembles God. Two, it changes me. As I walk with him and I begin to experience his love, it brings about change in our lives. And number three, it gives me a mission. It gives me a mission. I get to be his hands and feet. I get to represent his heart. I get to love my neighbor. I get to make a choice that people would look at me the same way they looked at the disciples and took note that they had been with Jesus. You know, this guy that we're following, he was betrayed, he was mocked, he was spit on, he was beaten, he was abandoned by his friends, yet he modeled that agape love of the Father. He showed us what that looked like through his willingness to lay his life down and die a death that he didn't deserve. And the call for each of us is that if anyone, if any of you, would come after me, Jesus said, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow him. Us experiencing that kind of love, us changing, us being involved in the mission of God, this great rescue mission, is gonna look like a daily dying to self, where we make a choice, God, not my will, but yours be done. Would you use me, would you use my life to be a picture of your incredible love to the world? Let's pray. God, I thank you so much 
for the incredible love that you showed us in Christ. And I pray for many of us today, maybe that we've been familiar with this message but never actually received that love for ourselves. I pray that our ears would be open, that our heart would be open, and much like Katie in college, God, if you are calling any here at any of our campuses, any online, into a relationship with you, may they be open and receptive to responding to the God of love today, that they might experience your love, that it would change them, that they would partner with you on the greatest rescue mission ever, that the world would know that love as well. As we respond now, God, we give you this time and pray that your kingdom would come, your will would be done, that your love be evident. In Jesus' name, amen.